1: Soprano Andriana Chuchman and tenor Toby Spence are backstage at Lyric.
0: It's so well written, and uh, it is so funny, naturally funny, that um, it's just been a pleasure rehearsing the dialogues for me.
2: It just feels so realistic and truthful, and I I think that'll be really exciting for the audience to see.
1: Thank you for downloading this episode of Backstage at Lyric. I'm Roger Pines of Lyric Opera of Chicago. Soprano Andriana Chuchman, who's returning to Lyric as Yum-Yum in The Mikado, is an alumna of Lyric's Ryan Opera Center. Last season she was Valencienne in Lyric's new production of The Merry Widow. At the 2010 Spoleto USA Festival, she earned terrific reviews singing the title role of Flora, a rediscovered 18th-century ballad opera. This season she's premiering Sir Andrew Davis's new orchestration of Handel's Messiah with the Toronto Symphony Orchestra. Toby Spence, who's making his lyric debut in the Mikado as Nanki-Poo, sang his first Faust earlier this season at London's English National Opera. He's a star of many other prestigious companies internationally, and last season he made his Met debut as Laertes in Amboise Thomas' Hamlet. Later this season, he'll return to Glyndebourne Festival Opera for Britain's The Turn of the Screw. Recently, I had the great pleasure of sitting down with Andriana and Toby to talk about the Mikado, Before we get to that conversation, here's the story in brief. In the town of Titipu, Coco, a poor tailor, had been condemned to death for flirting, but he was then shocked to be not only reprieved, but also given the rank of Lord High Executioner. So far, he hasn't executed anyone, and that proves to be a problem. If he doesn't execute someone within a month, his post will be abolished, and the town reduced to the rank of a village. Coco is betrothed to his ward, Yum Yum, who actually loves Nanki Poo, a wandering minstrel. She's distressed to learn that her beloved is actually the son of the Mikado, and he's fled the court so that he won't have to marry his father's daughter in law elect, the aged and unpleasant Katisha. Since he can't have Yum Yum, he attempts suicide, but he's stopped by Coco, who makes a bargain with him. Nanki Poo can marry Yum Yum if he consents to be executed a month later. The visit of the Mikado, with Kadisha in tow, produces all manner of complications, and in the end, there are two happy couples, not only Nanki-Poo and Yum-Yum, but also Coco and Kadisha. Now, on to my conversation with soprano Andreana Chuchman and tenor Toby Spence. I hope you enjoy it. I'm here with Toby Spence and Andriana Tuchman, who are part of our Mikado cast, and Toby's making his debut with us as Nanki Poo, and Andriana, who is a Ryan Opera Center alumna, is coming back to us to sing the role of Yum Yum, which you just did for the first time in...
2: Michigan Opera Theater. Michigan
1: Opera Theater in Detroit. And Toby, this is your first Nanki Poo, correct? This is my
0: first Nanki Poo.
1: Well, what aspect of being part of this particular Mikado production has been the most fun up to now?
0: Well, I always enjoy the rehearsal process. And in this production, in this piece, you have a lot of spoken dialogue, which is actually, you know, in this opera, operetta, it's so well written and uh, it is so funny, naturally funny, that um, it's just been a pleasure rehearsing the dialogues for me and getting to know them.
1: So, Andrea, how is this different from what you were doing in Detroit?
2: It's so funny. I try to erase... (laughs) From my memory what I did in Detroit because it's so different. It's the rehearsal process is different, um, the directors are quite different. That the whole concept as in this this being set in the twenties is completely different. So there's just this this the concept in, in Michigan was a little more traditional, a little more sort of what you would expect from a Mikado. And here it's really you know, it just feels so realistic and truthful and I think I think that'll be really exciting for the audience to see.
1: Yeah. You're, you both sing a lot of Mozart. I mean, Andriana, you're a Susanna, and Toby, you're a Tamino, a Ferrando. So, are the qualities of a good Mozart singer the same as for GNS? I know a lot of, of really good GNS singers whose operatic repertoire is very much centered on Mozart, actually.
2: I would say so. I mean, I've sort of compared. The sort of tessitura to a Susanna, where it's—you have to have a rich middle. You can't be a sort of, you know, pipsqueak soprano to do these kinds of things. And I'm doing my first Pamina as well in the spring, and I think it's very lyrical. And I think there's a there's definitely sort of a and range is very
1: similar generally, isn't it?
2: I would say so. It's sort of the. You
1: know. With Nanki Poo, is it the same as if you were? Oh, I find every tenor role in, in in Mozart
0: so specific, and it's hard to uh, so generalise and say that singing Nanki Poo is like one, or is like all all Mozart roles because they're all so different. But singing Nanki Poo, yes, it's a similar tessitura really to something like um, Tamino. Ferrando tends to sit a bit higher, so does Don Ottavio, but Tamino uh, sits a bit lower, so like Adriana says, you have to sort of focus on the centre of your voice and getting the sound out from from the lower reaches. Well, I've got that phrase um, that, that ends the, the opera in the finale, the threatened cloud, is, and it's actually very low, you have to dig into the voice quite a lot there to get it out, especially in a theatre this size. Um, so, yeah, th- but you know, it's, it's good to have that sense of line that Mozart has as well, um, because you know, the, 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 one of the models for Sullivan's music is Mozart along with Schubert. I noticed a very clear bit of Schubert the other day, but he seems to, to draw many sources.
1: You're both probably familiar with a lot of classic American musical theater of the '40s and '50s. So, what would you say to somebody who was fond of, say, Oklahoma or King and I, to draw them into GNS? Is there that much of a distance that they would have to travel?
0: I would say, forget the Oklahomas, you know, the, the Hammerstein things, and 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 because it's very different. But it draws on a on an acute sense of wit which Gilden Sullivan shared with with Hammerstein and Rogers and Hart, and that will appeal to anybody, a love of language, certainly, and
1: timing. Do you agree with
2: that? I would definitely agree. Yeah. I would definitely agree.
1: Toby, when we first spoke about the Mikado several months ago, you said that you found a bel canto element in Sullivan's music. So how and where does that emerge Mm -hmm. in the score?
0: Well, definitely in the first song, A Wandering Minstrel Eye, which is sort of written, for me, very much like a Donizetti or or Bellini aria, certainly in the first instance. And to focus on the legato, I think, is the way through that one. It's a very memorable tune. It's one of those songs that everybody, you know, goes away humming. But, yeah, I I would say that's in there always, you know, it, it, to have a sense of line when you sing is, is always good for singing, because singing is all about, you know, suspending the voice. And also in a house this size, again, uh, singing line
1: always helps project. Now, Adriana, you have a real bel canto aria, don't you? Or a classic <laughs> legato moment in, in Act Two, your aria.
2: Yeah, I would say it's, I wouldn't say it's as, you know, it's not sort of your typical doesn't yeah, sound like Bellini, no, <laughs> no, 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 but, but it's but at the same definitely, time. yeah, it's sort of a moment of just beautiful melody, and, you know, she's, of course, she's, she's, the text is important as well, but it really is sort of a, everything stops, and you just, and just enjoy this sort of beautiful, simple, simple melody, which is welcome in, you know, this kind of moment. But I also hear it in, in our duet, our love duet, when... Toby stops. So yeah, were you not to Coco plighted? I, I, as soon as I heard that, I was like, "Oh, that is kind That's of." That's another classic legato. Mm-hmm. With this. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you both have a favorite moment of the show, whether it involves you or someone else, where you just <laughs> totally look forward to it every rehearsal?
0: Yeah, I do. There are lots of them actually. Mm-hmm. I love, I, I love that moment where Stephanie Blythe as Katisha says. Where shall I find him? Where shall I find him? And it's a brutal and lovely mo- revealing mo- mo- moment of hers. I love that. And I love our little dialogue before our love duet mm-hmm. where we get to flirt and it's it's the most exquisitely written bit of flirting. And there's not a word that you would change and there's not mm-hmm. a word you would add and there's not a word you would take away. It's it's just so well written and I enjoy it. I relish that little dialogue every time we do it.
1: I was thinking you can't really look at GNS the same way you look at the greatest operatic repertoire in terms of the dimension that's possible to find in a character. I mean, these characters have fabulous music to sing, but is there also some depth and some variety in them as well, in these these people?
2: Of course, of course. And there's, you know, perhaps it, it sort of shows itself more in... in parts of the opera such as such as in uh, in the start of act 2 when she's getting ready for her wedding day and um, pity sing is saying you know be like your typical modest bride T- turn your eyes down let them broom with dew you know cry, try if you can cry just be be this this sort of m- model of a of a woman and a bride and and just conform to what is normal and that is being modest and i and the funny thing is is after Pity singing and the rest of the girls leave. Yum Yum has this moment of, well, that's silly. Why would I want to be modest and why, you know, I'm beautiful. This is what nature gave me. Everybody's gonna everybody's gonna be looking at me. I'm Mm. I'm gonna enjoy that. I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of revel in that and, and be who I'm destined to be, and be what you know what nature has given me. And I'm, you know, I'm my mother's child. I'm I'm fortunate that I was born with what I possess and you know, this beauty and this strength, and I, I, you know, she sort of turns it over and says, "I'm, I'm not going to do that. Why would I, <laughs> why, why would I try and be modest?" So I think it's, I think that's. So these sort of there's there are these sort of indications of where the character is and what I mean, we have to as as performers. We have oh, okay. to see the honest and we have to see we have to give them more than just you know what sort of the surface. Exactly. I
0: completely agree. And that's a sort of a wealth of information (coughs) for us that we can take and give to the audience and play it for real rather than these cardboard cutout characters. Mm -hmm. And in that, in the reality of it, lies the humor as well.
1: (laughs) I'm always curious about how people cope with spoken dialogue on the stage. So am I. I mean, (laughs) as if singing weren't challenging enough, (laughs) one has to speak in as well, in a number of standard repertoire pieces. Toby, you've done the magic flute, where, of course, speaking becomes very important. Is this in GNS, where there's a good deal of dialogue, is it a major vocal adjustment, or do you, or can you actually sort of sing through your dialogue or use the same mechanism generally? Do you
0: know what? I don't find it much of a difference. Because um, I suppose the voice that i found for this character has his voice on quite a high level anyway. So he's, sing- he's singing and speaking very much in his tenor pitch. And the, the switch from spoken dialogue to sung text is, is actually pretty simple to do this time. But there have been times in the past when I did Paris in La Belle Hulaine, when I played him quite as a sort of smoochy, sexy person. And then you get to the aria, <laughs> And it would be like that. And it was sort of quite a change. Um, and I think it was quite a change for the audience as well to make. Mm. Right. Uh, so, I had to sort of find my way for it, but much easier this time with this character.
1: Andrea, do you make any sort of adjustment from the singing to the speaking, or do you do you put your voice in it in it, uh, your speaking voice in a different place as Toby was talking about?
2: Well, I think it's perhaps a, a little different for for me if I were to sort of speak where i sing i it would sound a little bit <laughs> i would sound i think a little put on and a little. Flighty. I think. I think a tenor. I think a, a male voice is a little more in t- similar to their speaking voice. I think it's a. D- I, I think and and soprano. Soprano. You just you go into your head voice, and I I don't talk in my head voice. <laughs> and so I think, um, at least the more dialogue I've done, the easier it's gotten to be more natural at it. And I think Gary Griffin, our, our director, he's he's all about that. He's all about well say it how you'd say it to your you know if you're talking to your friend right now, and, and sort of. I try to balance that. So I try to balance it with sounding natural and also a, a projectable sound to make it sort of be able to be heard in, in, in a almost 4,000-seat house. So it's, it's, it's sort of a ba- happy balance of keeping it natural but, but keeping it effective, I guess.
1: Yeah. It's not often that a conductor with the international reputation of Sir Andrew Davis takes on G&S. <coughs> he happens to be a very big fan of GNS. What have you most enjoyed so far about his presence at rehearsals
0: the smiles and the laughter (laughs) that he brings to the he obviously relishes the humor behind it all and it's just it's delight to look up and see the, the you know the conductor the maestro ...beaming away, delighting in every line. It's it's rather charming. Um, He's got a rather nerdy interest (laughs) with the whole thing. It's it's really charming.
2: I would definitely agree.
1: We also have um, Gary Griffin, who is a Chicago resident associate artistic director of Chicago Shakespeare Theatre, who is directing for us for the second time. Andriana, you were in his Merry Widow Mm -hmm. last year. What special qualities do you find him bringing to these rehearsals?
2: You know, we do it one way. We do this a scene or a dialogue one way, and then he has—he's completely open to trying it a different way, just to see if that works. And I think th- that process of his is so exciting. It just—it allows us to really sort of make these choices of what really works the best. And and sometimes you get a director that comes in with a clear idea of exactly what they want, and and uh, so I, I really enjoy the fact that he is—he's just. He' has a lot of great ideas, and it's just about choosing collectively which one is is the best choice and I think yeah I think I think this is to have done the widow with him previously and to do this now it's just it's just gone up a level I think, and it, it possibly has something to do with myself and being more comfortable with dialogue, but also I just sort of can really I really get where Gary is, is going and what, what he wants, which is really exciting and I think
0: mm. yeah. Yeah, there are similarities and there are, and there are differences between directing straight theatre and directing opera. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's great to work with Gary on something which has so much dialogue because he's, as you say, he's, he's very focused on making the right choices and in order to tell the story and bring out the characterisation and keep characters strong on stage. And that's, that's been very refreshing. I'm very grateful to him, actually, for, for the work that he's done on dialogues with us.
1: Well, I want to wish you all the best for the rest of the rehearsals and for all the performances of Thank you. The <laughs>
2: Thank you very much.
0: You've been listening to Backstage at Lyric, the podcast that takes you behind the curtain at Lyric Opera of Chicago. For additional interactive content and to order tickets, visit us online at lyricopera.org.